The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Oh God, show us what it means to follow you along the way. And as a people who commit ourselves to you, um, help us to keep that commitment. Amen. This morning, this final Sunday of our stewardship campaign, on this Commitment Sunday, it was tempting to do something here with this story that Betty just read, to turn uh, this into a story of a model of what it means to give. This person who has been um, helped by God, person turns and gives thanks and gives. I even read in one place this could be an example for a great sermon on tithing. That, uh, you know, nine were kept back or whatever, and then one was given. Not don't how that goes with tithing, but that's how somebody decided to preach on that. Preachers can find a lot of ways to talk about money, in case you didn't know that. And while it is important that this story is about uh, uh, grace and about uh, gratitude for that grace, there were some other things that stood out to me that made this story more than just that. It starts right away, the things jumping out at me. The story begins on the way to Jerusalem. Over the last several months now, we have been with Jesus as he's made his way to Jerusalem. Way back in Luke 9, it said, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. So the next many, many chapters, many, many weeks, if not months, We've looked at Jesus as he journeys to Jerusalem. We, the reader, know what's going to happen when Jesus gets to Jerusalem. He's going to give up his life and then have it raised back up to new life. I think that's something more than just a quick look at that story. And then there's this. It says that Jesus, as he's on the way to Jerusalem, he finds himself going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. Samaria is, of course, where the Samaritans live. Galilee was a province that was mostly made up of Jewish people. Perhaps you know that there, is, there had been a centuries-long hatred between the Samaritans and the Jews, in essence, over ethnic differences and also religious differences. Hatred, bitter hatred between Jews and Samaritans. Maybe that suggests, too, that there's more to this story than how we might first read it. And then this, we read about the lepers, the ten of them. Lepers, people who have leprosy. Leprosy in that day could have been um, a various assortment of uh, skin diseases. Now what made them all the similar is that when someone was judged to have such a skin disease, to have leprosy, they were made to be outside of the community. The book of Leviticus says this, that, that the leper was to live alone. And literally it says this, his dwelling shall be outside the camp. The leper is put outside of the community, away from family, away from the, the society itself made off to be alone, partly because of health reasons, 
but also because they were seen very often as religiously unclean. Some would even say that people had leprosy because that was God's judgment on them. And even this is said in Leviticus, that lepers were to be by themselves. And if someone came close to the lepers, they were supposed to stand up and yell, unclean, unclean. They themselves, the lepers, were to announce to others that they were unclean and to, in essence, stay away. Can you imagine such a life? We read that these ten lepers, they approached Jesus, but this text says that they did keep their distance because, like I said, they were supposed to. And they call out to Jesus, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us, have grace upon us, have compassion toward us. And then we read something very important in this text, something that we may not catch at first. I want to read, when Jesus saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. When Jesus saw them, there's two main words in the Greek for the word to see. One of them is blepo. Blepo means to see physically. I see Jimmy Hodge. I see what Jimmy Hodge is wearing. <laughs> see. That's blepo. Now the other one is another Greek word that I can't pronounce, so I'm not going to say it. Even though I probably could and you wouldn't know. So, you know, it's, I don't even remember now. But that word means to see in the sense of understand or perceive. I see Jimmy in the sense of I know Jimmy's situation. Okay? I see, I understand. I Jesus sees these lepers and perceives and understands how horrible their lives must have been. How isolating physically and also as far as uh, relationally. They were all alone, just them lepers. They couldn't be with anybody else, their family. Jesus saw their pain and their hurt. And so Jesus determines to do something about it. So he tells them to go and show themselves to the priest. Why? Because when they got to the priest, they would have been healed. And sure enough, it says that as they began to go to the priest, they were made clean. The word made clean here is the word catharso. We get the word catharsis from it. It's a cleansing. These ones who had been, made, who had been unclean have now been healed. And they are clean. Jesus tells them to go to the priest to show them because then when they showed the priest who was the representative of the community, they would be back in the community again. They would belong once again. They would no longer be outsiders. But then we get a twist in our story. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself, not prostrated, I learned that when I had my prostate taken out. It's prostrated. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. This one who turns back. 
Did you notice the first thing that happened with him? One of them, when he saw that he was healed. Guess which word see it is. It's not the blepo word. It's the other word that I don't pronounce. He understood. He perceived. He sensed that there was something to this even more than seeing the physical healing. When he saw... He knew that he had to do something. Just like Jesus had done, he had to do something. So he turned around, he turned back, he praised God. That word praise here is the same word we get the word doxology from. We, they, he praised God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet. Literally it means to fall on his face at the feet of Jesus. And he thanked Jesus the word thank there is the word Eucharisto. We get the word Eucharist from. He gives thanks to Jesus. And then another twist. It seems out of the blue. After this man does that, it says that he was a Samaritan. Then when Jesus goes on to ask about the other nine, he identifies the Samaritan as a foreigner. You see, this man was what, what we might call a double outcast. He'd been a leper. Now he was cleansed. But he was also a foreigner, a Samaritan, one outside. Now one thing I've always wondered about this text, and I really don't have an answer for it, is this. Jesus asked the other nine, asked about where the other nine are. Why didn't they come back? Why did just this one? Well... Jesus had told them, right, to go and find the priest. So how are they supposed to go and find the priest um, and then turn back? And maybe they did. Maybe they did. We don't know. They, maybe they did go to the priest and then get, you know, announced that they were healed and then came back to Jesus. We don't know that. But the focus is now on the one who does come back. This one who, when he saw... He knew there was still something missing. So he turned back to the one who had healed him. And so he returns, he falls on his face and gives thanks. And then after Jesus sees that there's nobody else, he turns to this man and says, Get up and go your own way. Your faith has made you well. The word here for well is it the same word about when they were cleansed, the word catharzo? It's not that word, it's the word sozo, which can also be translated saved or made whole. In other words, this man who had been made physically healed has now been made whole. He has been saved to a brand new life. And because he's been made whole... Jesus tells him to get up and go. The man who had seen and came back has been made whole. Now get up and go. And go on your way, Jesus says. The same word that's used at the very beginning of the story when it says, when Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, get up and go on your way. Perhaps Jesus is saying there, 
your way will be following in my way. Follow me as one who has been made whole. Follow me. Today's the third and last week of this stewardship campaign. Highland, a place of welcome is what we've called it. We've reminded ourselves that we're a people of covenant. Covenant is a deep sense of a promise, of being together. It's a holy sense of covenant because it ties us in our relationship to God and to all others. We're also a people of the table. A people whose focus of worship every time we gather is around this table. But not only this table where we have the ordinary elements of bread and wine, but where everyone is invited to gather. And then from this table, as people of the table, we go out into all the places of our lives, around all the tables in our ordinary everyday lives. And we're also a baptized people. One of the foundational elements of the beginning of our denomination is our understanding of baptism. Two of the founders of our denomination, Thomas Campbell and his son Alexander Campbell, they were Scotch-Irish clergymen, and when they were young, they had been baptized into the state church. In Scotland, the state church was Presbyterianism. So they were baptized as Presbyterians, but in their baptism they were also baptized as citizens of the nation of Scotland. Scotland. In other words, baptism marked them as a Christian, but also as a citizen of the nation. But when the Campbells moved to the United States, away from the state church, they began to see baptism differently. That baptism affirms them, marks them as something distinctive from being a citizen of the nation and not the same thing. I want to read a couple things. Baptism, wrote Alexander Campbell, is the Jordan flood that in some fundamental way separates every Christian from the values of the nature, from the nation or culture in which he or she, he or she happens to live, separates them from the values of the nation and culture. The church shouldn't be a community of the lukewarm, of those who are Christian because their parents are, or because it's socially expected. The church is a peculiar people who respond to God's grace by living as disciples of Christ and not disciples of Caesar. We're baptized people who, who like the healed leper, saw that there was something in our lives that makes us in tune with who God is. And we've returned, we've fallen on our face, we have given thanks and praise, and then we're told in baptism by God to get up and go your way, following in the way, get up and go, be a baptized people. Now in the book that I've been using by Kinnaman and Jan Lynn, they give a few implications for what it means to be baptized people. I want to read just a couple of them. 
The first implication in baptism is that God's grace compels us to oppose discrimination based on such things as race and gender and economic status. He quotes from the, the text in Galatians about there's no longer Greek or Jew, there's no longer slave nor free, there's no longer male or female because we've all been made one in Christ Jesus. So as a baptized people, we lift that up. And we oppose attempts to put up walls between such differences. Another thing that we are called to do, another missional implication in baptism, is that God calls us, God's grace calls us and enables us to reject the idolatry, the love of money, the desire for power that is so much a part of our life in 21st century North America. In other words, we're called to be peculiar, to be different, to not seek to make the United States Christian necessarily, but instead that we be Christians in the United States. And sometimes that means we will be different. We will be peculiar. We won't be appreciated because of our faith. How might we as a church be a place of welcome? By always reminding ourselves of our covenant with God and others that we are called to love God and we are called to love all others. That we be a people who gather at the table Knowing that we're at the table not because we are good, but because God is good. And because it's God's table, God invites all to come. And therefore, who all might come, we are called to welcome. At that table and at all our tables of life. And also that we are called as a baptized people to get up and go. Be a peculiar people because we follow in the way of Christ a way of love and grace and compassion. May God bless this, our church, as we seek to follow in that way. Amen.